Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today is an interview episode. Before we dive into that, um, just last week, we had an episode on how to make a record label business plan. And we, if you haven't yet heard that episode, go back and check it out when you're finished with this week's episode. And we gave away a resource that I put together. It's a template on how to create your own record label business plan. What's really cool is this thing has been downloaded by like 300 to 400, almost 400 people in the past couple of days, which is awesome. And I think um, hopefully that means we're going to see a bunch of new record labels popping up in the next couple of months, which is also awesome. So if you haven't grabbed that yet and you're interested in it, I think it's cool because I know our audience um, varies. Our audience isn't just people hoping or planning to start a record label, but uh, of course are people who have had record labels for a year or more. But what I think is interesting is I think something like this and the exercise of creating an outline and and putting together a record label business plan could be helpful for you even if you have a record label already and and have been around for a year or five years or 10 years. So go to otherrecordlabels.com slash business plan to grab that for free. For today's interview, we're uh, crossing over the Atlantic and we're talking with Beth Shalom Records. And what's interesting about my conversation with Joe, the founder today, uh, about their label is they have taken on the the arduous uh, objective of becoming a completely carbon neutral record label, which is something I've never heard before. It's very exciting. And it spawned a lot of questions like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so I hope you enjoy today's interview where we talk about Beth Shalom Records, but we also talk about what it means and how it's possible for some of us uh, with our labels to potentially become carbon neutral. I'm curious, um, what does the name mean? Can you tell me about that, the, the history of that? Yeah, sure. So Beth Shalom Records, um it means house of peace in Hebrew. Um, Beth Shalom does. How and how to peace? House of peace. Oh, house of peace. Okay. Yeah, house of peace. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So Beth being house, and then peace being shalom. Ah. Um, so yeah, basically when when I was li- living at home, that was my parents' house name, and so when I was recording people and stuff like that, and I was just recording people out of my bedroom uh, while at college and school, people were like, oh, what should we put the studio down as? And so I just said, do Beth Shalom Studios. Yeah. And then where when the label came to be, I, it just made sense. I've always liked the idea of studios creating in-house labels. So going into have like Beth Shalom Records, it was sort of a very natural transition. Oh, that's great. So do you still have a studio? Um, no, I've okay. I've never really had a studio as such. I've always oh. had sort of a mobile setup interface, a bunch of microphones, which I can take a yeah. lot of places, but that's sort of downsized over the years. Sure. Yeah. Has that been a part of the label? Like, ha- have you used, like, have you recorded records or, or done like EPs or demos or live stuff? Uh, particularly in the beginning, a lot yeah. of um, so the sort of the record label kind of started as because I was recording and producing my own music. So through that, and in college, I started producing mates, um, and then yeah, they they needed a home or needed help putting it out. So I knew how to do it, and so just lended that hand. So 
I think the like a lot of the earlier releases tended to be stuff that I'd had quite a heavy hand on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, not not so much in the last few years. I think the last one that I I really had any sort of hand in that world was just in terms of mastering was a couple of years ago. But sure. That's kind of all I've really done in that sense for a fair. And so it was just for your own music at first and then your friend's music. Would you charge, would you make the recording or the mastering a recoupable expense or was it just all kind of like part of the deal? Uh, So I, yeah, I would just, if I was doing it as a record label as such, I would not charge it all and it would just be something that I sort of consider a recoupable recoupable cost, as you say. Okay. But um. I, I would I would do it for a lot of different people, so it wasn't just people that I was interested in releasing and stuff like that. So I would I would have like hourly rates or day rates and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, on those kinds of projects, but more often than not, it would ended up being a recoupable cost. Okay. Okay, that's yeah. kind of cool. So it's like a little bit of a revenue stream. Yeah. Exactly. For the label. Yeah. So you don't do much of it anymore. No, not particularly, and yeah, yeah very rare, just because of time and effort that goes into that kind of stuff yeah and i guess you like i guess the hope is that you get to a point where you're recouping or you're 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 selling enough records to be able to pay someone to do it that hopefully not i'm not speaking to your abilities as an engineer at all but hopefully elevates the the quality right i mean the goal is to hire producers and, and and recording studios and engineers all over the world kind of thing Oh yeah, of course, and I think the nice thing about, particularly the um, the sort of family that like I'd say I've formed over the years, a lot of the people um, end up going to the same producer, um, and okay. like we we haven't we haven't actually sent anyone to a producer as such. Um, we're not that kind of label just yet. So like, but a lot of the people end up coming from the same producers or have that similar sound. In a sense, okay. Well, that's that. That kind of brings me to my next question because this is what I was reading on your website, and I always find it interesting when a label represents a lot of different genres. I find it would personally, I find it would make things hard for me to present myself as a curator with such an array of genres. So, how do you make it work? Having pop music and experimental music, how how do you have this, you know, uh, array of genres? How do you make that work at, under your under the same umbrella? I think like I think it's definitely in terms of our audience having an understanding of me as a curator or like Bechelon Records as a curator because ultimately like I, I mean I started the label merely to make myself look more professional as a musician. <laughs> like it wasn't ever a consideration of it being anything more than that, and it's just eventually grown into just putting out music that I really love and enjoy and enjoying a wide range of music is sort of it. The record label encapsulate that encapsulates that in a good way for Mm. me. So in terms of, yeah, in terms of getting people on board with us being a genre fluid, um, that that's the term that I use a genre fluid record label. Um, I think it's, looking at like all these different genres that we work with and like there's all there's always links in my opinion so whether it's a lot of the stuff that we have done over the years tends to be within the sort of punk emo sort of area 
And so, but off that, you can go to like scrams and into hardcore, or you could go from hardcore into metal. You could go onto like from emo to emo rap and stuff like that. So, so there's always a thinking, line that goes connects back to something. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. Like I, I think that's. I mean, a lot of people might listen to all the stuff that we put out and think like, "Where's that line?" But for me, mm. it's very clear. Yeah, um, yeah. As as a curator, and I think we've got to a point where people trust us and like it's nice keeping people on their toes as well i think like for me and yeah for me like following record labels over the years you get a lot of labels who they just put out the same kind of music and that's great they have their niche and stuff like that but as a listener i i like to be excited about different things so being kept on my toes is something that I want to also have for the people who follow us as a record label. I I'm obsessed with this question because I I don't know what the right answer is, and and you mm. know whether you have a label that is like has a completely unified sound or a, at least a completely unified aesthetic to the point where you could blindly buy any record, and if you had liked one record, you'll like any number of the records, um, as opposed to a completely eclectic roster and and, yeah. and genres all over. I love what you're talking about of having these kind of two or three or four degree separation, but some sort of connection. Um, but the funny thing is, is that after doing this show for three or four years, you realize that like there are labels who are doing what you're doing and, and are, are uh, being doing it in an eclectic way, but connected. Then you're doing, you're seeing labels that are doing it completely eclectic, eclectic and disconnected. And then labels mm. who are, have a, a cohesive sound and they're all successful. Like there, there yeah. is no, there is no like uh common, I'm not seeing any sort of like, Oh, you know, these labels tend to be more successful. It just like, it almost like it, it has no impact on the label success. That's what yeah, I Yeah, No, definitely. And I, I think it, I think it depends on the audience that you form from it as well. Like yeah. I think there, there are a lot of erased tapes. If you know him is a label I love that I them. follow. Yes. They're, they're one of my, like I, I don't like using the word idol, but I'm in terms of like they're a label that I look up to quite a lot. And even Same. though a lot of the music that we release is far from what they do in mm. terms of how eclectic they are, but how cohesive they are as well. Like that's kind of the point that I want to get to. That's um, one of the the few labels that when they put something out or announce something, I'll instantly I'll stop what I'm doing and go and listen just because I know that I oh, there's a good chance that I'm going to love it. Yeah, it's exactly that. Um erase tapes if you're listening, check your email. I emailed you a couple <laughs> many months ago. I don't know if you have a contact and please let me know, <laughs> but I love that label as well. Yeah. Um yeah, that's it, it is so interesting and and I wonder tell me what you think about this cuz I wonder if uh label owners overestimate their influence on the fans. You know, I, I wonder, do fans even think about what we're talking about? Do they think about, oh, I like this label because they put out all this great music? Or do they just come to that label because they like one artist? Like, do we even know how many of our fans like multiple of artists of ours? Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I kind of wonder that if, if maybe we as labels are just overthinking it or overestimating our influence. I think like... 
I think it's it can be quite easy to gauge whether that's based on sales streams, True. like who who you see like in, interacting and engaging with stuff on social media, and like for us, like we we run a lot of shows, and like last year in November we celebrated our seventh birthday with like our first sort of little festival, mm-hmm. um, and so like we had fourteen bands play that day, but we had everything from just sort of dream pop kind of stuff all the way through to hardcore, um, like chaotic hardcore, mathcore kind of stuff. Um, and every band was like very different, but everyone enjoyed everyone kind of right. thing. And like, right. it, it was it was quite a beautiful thing to see, like the fact that we've, we formed a community which people trust in, um, in terms of like what we release, but also like, yeah, I, it goes back to like them trusting us as a curator as well. Um, yeah, and I think that you know, in your right, and I think that can be measured certainly on a local scale because you see mm. people in person. Yeah, that's it. Um, what do artists like about working with your label? Do you have any idea? I think one of the nice things about us is we're like with the UK and the sort of like scenes that we've sort of grown up as a label in, um, everyone is like, it's all one sing- scene basically, whether you're playing emo, whether you're playing hardcore, whether you're playing math rock, they all merge, which links back to that sort of like three or four degrees of separation um, that we touched upon. So I think like we we've been sort of a very familiar label to a lot of people um over the years and like familiar in a way that like we are a family to the bands that we work with um and like they're all a fam- and like an extended family of each other as well so and through doing shows that sort of like solidifies it further um mm. and because we do shows we do obviously all the label services whether it's distribution pr stuff like that and all the way through to like the talent agency that i run link that is linked to the label as well so there's a lot of different things that we're able to offer and able to work to develop these artists on because ultimately not not a lot of them are huge like some of them we've taken to radio one and done like live sessions and stuff like that others they're still playing like 50 capacity venues but packing them out and stuff like that so yeah it's we we have a lot that we can do to help develop the smaller artists but um nurture the ones which are larger also um and And i think the family yeah and that's what they is, is community a big part of that like do artists enjoy the community of other artists on your label oh yeah definitely like there's um even if that they've gone on tour with each other a couple of months earlier there there still be like pestering me to get on each other's shows even though like (laughs) even though like from an industry point of view that might not make the most sense because you've just sold that same bill two or three months beforehand but they still want to be around each other even if for those few hours at the show yeah Um, right so like but you you might then get that band come along as punters because they still want to be there sure um so yeah it's there's a really nice community aspect to to our label and how we operate um and yeah i think i think over the last few years particularly that's just solidified uh, we've been discussing lately this topic of how 
labels can convince artists to sign with them, particularly when a label is new uh, or doesn't have a lot of accolades and maybe struggles with feeling like an imposter. How does a new label, uh, in your opinion, approach bands and what do they offer them? I think... I, I think you've really got to think about what what you can offer because ultimately if you're going to go to a band who is at the point where they're pressing vinyl, they need a larger PR company, but you're still doing tape releases. You don't really have any infrastructure to pay out for someone to be your press agent or anything like that. You've really got to... I think having some perspective is really important. Mm. But at the same time, like that band that you might be able to put a couple of grand into to actually do that release properly and that be your first sort of like big release. That might be the thing which changes everything and how that label operates. Um, so I think I think there's two sides, two sides to the coin, um, if that makes sense. I think definitely knowing what you're able to offer without overstretching yourself, but also pushing yourself to a degree that makes sense. Mm. Um yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, that's something we've just been kind of thinking about a lot. And, and I, I think it doesn't take long to, for a label, especially if there is that community component built in, that it doesn't take long um, for a label to, to be able to get a little bit of experience enough to, to say, hey, at least, you know, come alongside and, and release a single together or an EP digitally and... Uh, um, and and to start that relationship, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's uh, so I think it. we're you're on to. I, you just said your seventh birthday in November. Um, yes. Assuming you're talking about the label and not yourself, but oh uh, no, uh, that's yeah. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to need your parents' permission to air this. <laughs> but uh, how did your label come? So we're go, let's go back to 2014. How did your label come to be? So I like I'd been gigging for about two or three years by that point as a solo artist, um, just sort of like on the local scene, like probably not going like further than London um, and stuff like that. And even then, it wasn't small, it wasn't big gigs in London or anything like that. But I was I was studying a lot in college about sort of marketing yourself, pitching to labels and stuff like that. And I'd got really fascinated with this idea of pitching myself to a label and finding a home which I could grow in mm. essentially but at that point I was already distributing myself I'd already had like some press contacts that I'd sort of built over the years and I, I was just consulting one of my lecturers at the time and I just said oh, I'm thinking of doing this any any help or any ideas of how best to pitch myself mm-hmm. um, and they just turned around and said well, you're your own label already. Why do you need someone at this stage? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it goes back to what I was saying about, um, yeah, creating it to make myself look more professional. I would, <laughs> I announced that I signed to Beth Shalom Records. I didn't necessarily say, oh, I'm forming a record label. I, yeah, I formed, I made all the accounts and everything like that and said that I'd signed to a record label um, and it sort of went from there. Wait, were you being so, like, sorry to interrupt you, were you being yeah, like, that's right. were you being disingenuous like to your fans? Like, did you actually pretend that like this wasn't your own label? Oh no, I, I, did, I didn't pretend in any way, but okay. it's just like... It, it, it <laughs> I was wouldn't kind of, judge it, you if you did. <laughs> no, no, definitely like... 
I, there's a lot of people who do do that, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't like that. I, I was saying, oh, this is a label that I formed, like, but I, I had said that I'd like I'd signed to Beth Shalom Records as such. So, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't pulling the wool <laughs> over their eyes or anything like that. I would, I would totally do that. Okay, sorry, continue with the story. And yeah, so it, it's kind of just carried on from like there, as I mentioned, like producing friends in college, and then joining like Facebook forums for like UK emo and grunge and stuff like that and like getting to know a few bands in that scene and sort of just over the years like particularly early on we were doing a lot of um smaller cassette releases um that was our very like aside from the sort of handmade CDs I was making to take on tour with me um all our early physical releases from other bands were all cassettes and so by I think within the space of about 18 months, we did about 14 cassette runs. And mm. so by the point, by that point, that's when we invested in our first final run alongside, I think, four other record labels around the world. And so by doing those smaller projects, we kind of grown and grown. Into... Sorry, you did a, a compilation? No, so like um, a co-release as such. So oh, okay. within the punk scene in particular, um, I it's... It's a really fun thing and it's something that I would love to do a lot more. But um, yeah, it's when you get to a certain level, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But yeah. a lot of labels, if they want to like put out, a, put out a release for a band, they might pitch it to a load of labels that they're friends with um, and press like 500 copies. But each label takes like 50 copies or okay. something like that. And so they'll they'll sell it in their particular region or something like I that. I see. Um, so so who- it's... Sorry, I'm just. I want to camp on this for a second. So, yeah, these are. Um, this is the one release. This is one artist. One release. One album. So one album. Yep. And you're obviously like relatively splitting the expenses four ways. Yeah. So splitting it directly, um, four ways, covering the band's costs Very and cool. everything. Very cool. Yeah. And then are you are then splitting the label share? Would the label get more than than normal because there's four labels? Uh, so what in terms of the in terms of um, like uh, royalties quantity of our uh, royalties? No, yes. it, was, it would just continue to be the same deal that like we would operate on now. Okay. So like, so if it was fifty fifty, then the label four labels would share fifty percent. Exactly, similar okay. to that. Okay, and and then where were these labels uh, located? That that their kind of regions there where there wouldn't necessarily be overlap of of audiences. So we had. We had one, so me being in sort of like the south of England, um, we did have another smaller one, which was more of a bedroom style distro, which they did a lot of stuff around record stores in the south of England as well. So they had like oh, cool. different different streams that they could put it through. Then we had one in the US and then one in Germany as well. Oh, that's great. Okay, so just yeah. one American, one North American. That's very cool. Yeah. And then you would ship... Uh, okay, so then you would ship like their share of the records. Exactly, That's yeah. Very cool. It's, I, it's, it's a very common thing within within the punk scene. It's like it, it's it's really cool. And like you, I've got so many records where you look on the back and it's like eight record labels are involved. Yeah, and so it was a good experience. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And like I've definitely like the American label. I've actually collaborated with about eight times since. Okay. Um. So like that. That's a relationship which has 
like been really beneficial over the years. Yeah, yeah, no, I bet. And I mean, uh, how you must have to almost like throttle your workload with that record because you're only getting like a fourth, a, you know, of what you would normally get. Is that true? Like, do you feel like you had to kind of just only put in a certain amount? Other, you know, do you understand I think what I'm like, saying? Yeah, for for me, I was like. I was kind of the core label as such, so I was kind of coordinating everything. Yeah. Um. So for me, it was quite helpful to sort of gauge how a larger release would work because I was, yeah, I was sort of the main driving force bet- bet- around everything. I was doing a lot of the press for that as well. So while I had people collaborating on the vinyl and stuff like that, I was doing a lot of the press myself. I feel like it's the kind of thing that would would do better the more records you did with that same group of people just because yeah. you've you know all of that initiation works itself out on the first release the second release could almost hit the ground running yeah it works smoother and smoother each time you go i've always dreamed about doing that um what you're talking about but not necessarily labels in different regions but labels with different expertise like if there's a label that has physical distribution, there's a label that maybe is a tape label, and so we just do the tape with them. And then maybe there's a label who is like more of a streaming label, or more of a digital label who has good access to, to playlists, and maybe we let them take care of the digital, almost like splitting it up by three or something. I feel like... yeah. And and if there's like a label who has a massive band camp following, then it's like we just do the, the downloads with this team, you know what I mean? That's kind of a, been a dream of mine. Yeah, that's quite an interesting concept, actually, because like I've done a lot of releases where I might do the vinyl and the digital, and then I might have another record label doing the tapes or the CD. Um, particularly, like if I'm working with a Japanese label, CDs sure. sell a lot better over there totally. than vinyl yeah. does. So, yeah. like splitting it like that works quite well, um, and like playing to each other's strengths as well is always handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to me, we're going back to your label now and, and talking about, um, I had read something about you guys have a, a DIY collective, is that right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so the DIY collective um, is that Let's Stop Hanging Out you, you're referring to. Yes. Yeah, so the that kind of, that formed in 2018 with a number of like, it was a number of record labels, a sync agency and a PR company. And we we essentially all teamed up to it was mostly to do shows in the beginning and but then like the record labels the bands on those record labels would also get like discounted rates when it came to pr um with the pr agency and sync agency would get a better cut etc etc okay um so it kind of like there were a number of reasons why that started but um for whatever reason that sort of died down to the point where it was just shows um and so I was the main driving force behind that in the end. And since then, I've sort of rebranded that all with the same name and everything. But that has become essentially the live arm and the agency arm of Bechelon Records. Mm -hmm. Um, So I run that as a talent agency where I have a few acts that I manage and a roster of of live acts as well that I work with. And um, I imagine some of those acts are... Are non-roster? They're not on the, officially on the label, or are they all? Yeah. On the label? So, okay. so I have like it's probably split quite evenly, half and half. 
Um, or they might be bands that I've previously released but might have gone onto a larger label. So I already have that working relationship with them. I'm just working in a different capacity. Yeah, okay. Okay, that's cool. And and did you say, um, are you offering label services? Do you do that to non-roster people? Uh, so I do that through Let's Stop Hanging Out. So okay. um, I, I mostly have done that uh, for my management acts and stuff like that. But over the like since i started that i've had discussions with bands about doing that um for label services particularly pr i've done a few campaigns with that so because i have that infrastructure of bechelon records i'm able to move that over quite quite smoothly yeah well i wanted to ask you like what's the motivation for doing the the agency um and the management and, and the label services is it is it strictly financial? Is it is it just that you're maximizing, you know, the 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 infrastructure you already have? Like, what is the motivation behind that? I think I think it's a mixture, really, because for me, like, I, I've done like booking work for a number of years for like a lot of bands, whether that was directly through the label for a previous agency that I worked for, and it just made sense that like when I was rebranding last year that I kind of took everything under that. So in terms of like the booking agency side of it and the management side of it, there was a lot that I was doing out of Bechelon Records that I could easily move within that infrastructure. Right. Um, And then in terms of label services and PR in particular, like that's something I've been doing for years. I'm well-versed in it. People... Trust me, they're aware of my knowledge, so they're more than happy to come to me on that. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, in some way it was a financial, like, reasoning because, obviously, the more more stuff that I do, like, the eventually, because this isn't a full-time job for me, it's not, like, it's not even part of my job. Mm. I'm, like, ultimately, like, I'm just starting to build more and more revenue for myself and my family. Um, so yeah, but also the fact that growing, let's stop hanging out and building this extra roster of bands allows a wider audience to eventually know Bechelon Records and Bechelon Records acts as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. And so how do you balance the two? I mean, running a label full-time is, is a handful running a label, it, when you have a part-time job, it, it is a handful. So how do you, running an agency plus running a label? I think the not, like I've got quite a good balance of the two because because a lot of the bands, like half the bands on Let's Stop Hanging Out are already part of the label. They're already discussions that I'm having. Mm. Whereas like the bands which I'm managing or stuff like that, like I've got a band which is signed to Prosthetic Records um, and stuff like that. So... That's obviously a bit of a larger commitment, but sure. it, like that's quite a well-oiled machine by this point because I've managed, um, managed the previous uh, band members' band and stuff like that. So we're very familiar in how we operate. So in terms of my time split, it's not, it's quite equal. Um, and fortunately, I've got my wife Esty and George, who is actually part of one of my management bands who assist me on the record label sort of like as assistants or consultants yeah. and stuff like that. So there's a it's not just me working on the label, whereas on the talent agency side, it is just me. 
Right, right, right. Well, that's good. That's that's nice that you have help. Yeah. Let's talk about your commitment to becoming carbon neutral. This is really exciting, really super interesting. And honestly, I don't know. Um, I might just be ignorant, but I'm not sure if I've heard of any other labels who are doing this, uh, at least on an official scale. Can you tell me what the impetus for that was and, and how it works? Uh, so I think like... Um, Oh, that's a tricky question. So for me, like when the pandemic hit, like I I was trying to come up with ways to like, I feel like the label or at least for me, I was stuck in a rut and maybe that was just me mentally like being stuck at home on furlough or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I needed, I needed something more to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so with shows and everything taken away and that sort of like live side of everything taken away, I needed an, another focus. And so going in deep into sort of the sustainability side of things and my wife is really hot on this kind of stuff. So she she was able to help quite a lot um, on putting a lot of this into place um, and she's very knowledgeable in this front as well. Um, so for me, like... Um, just seeing how the planet is changing and particularly like the impact of of production of like resources or um stock can have on this planet like mm. was quite alarming and like learning more about sort of the process of um putting together releases and like all the different components that might go into like a vinyl record or a CD, stuff like that. So looking at like plastic, single-use plastic in particular, um, and also like waste within warehousing as well. Sure. So um, that's just on like the sustainability front, which obviously we can get to. But in terms of the carbon offsetting, um, it's something that I've seen like the odd bands do here and there. Yeah. But like yeah. I... It's always difficult to know and to trust what people are saying. So fortunately, I'd already had a friend who worked quite closely with a company called M NMT, um, which is the Nemo, Nemo Macadamia Trust. And they, they essentially um, plant macadamia trees in Malawi and in turn like support the smallhold farmers, create income and create jobs within Malawi, mm. which isn't just like carbon offsetting plant in the tree like so many people say they do it's making that like contribution to a community a family and creating income for people who might not otherwise have it mm. so like that was a lot of things which it was really important for us for me to do and like um it was something that we were considering to do as like a couple let alone as a label sure um so and then in terms like so yeah we 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 offset with them uh we do it on a monthly basis um so we our bandcamp subscription service like there's not many people on it but like that the amount of money that we get from that works out roughly to um the like metric ton that we would need to offset okay so the more people that are subscribing the more that we can offset and become is it carbon negative i'm trying i'm trying to think of the right correct term i'm i'm really bad with sure. like the actual terms 
in my head. But um, so, yeah. did you have to figure out how much a record, like selling a record or a CD or a tape, like like what that, how you would offset that? Is that what you tried to figure out? Yeah, so we we did that to like the closest degree based on like the average, the average that we tend to send out, and like using carbon neutral couriers as well. Like we didn't have to consider that and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but in terms of like uh, sending sending a bunch of records via Royal Mail or something like that, or overseas, like the really useful thing is with the company that we offset through is you're able to look at how much like a domestic flight might cost or something like that. Mm. So you're able to roughly estimate how much it might cost for something to get over to Germany, over to America and stuff like that. And so being able to average that out across the board um, like and make this sort of monthly commitment to it um, has been really useful for us. Let me ask you a a kind of a direct question. If if a record label were to make a thousand dollars in revenue uh or or even a hundred dollars for easy math what what amount or what percentage would be required to to donate to offset approximately i think it uh is it's very tricky to say is because it's based on like uh yeah, it's very tricky to say because it's like it depends on how many units have you sold within that or stuff like that. Right. Okay. Like, okay. Is because there's there's a lot of like aspects to consider, like the weight of things, how much that might cost in terms of like where you're shipping it and stuff like that. Is it um, mostly just about shipping, or or I mean, what about the manufacturing process, or even shipping production? Yeah. So you can yeah. like a lot of the um suppliers that we now use. Like um, we've researched and spoken to quite closely in terms of like how they like dispose of their waste and stuff like that. Um, couriers that they use, like one of the pressing plants, we requested that they started using a specific courier um, because we wanted to use a carbon neutral courier right. to get over to the UK and stuff like that. And so it took us about six months of like working on everything before we actually even announced that we were making this commitment. So right. while I was on furlough and stuff like that, that was quite a large chunk of my time. Um, that that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I can imagine that the fans would re- respond to that well, knowing that you're taking care of. I mean, ultimately, you're you're basically like kind of like taking care of their environmental responsibility as well, because they can make a purchase from you, and and, and then trust that you're. Um, reconciling that that purchase on their behalf is that true yeah in a larger way i guess and like with one of the things that we said quite explicitly to bands before before we announced this is that like any products that we make we or like that you make we expect you to be in line with this okay um so like even down to t-shirts and stuff like that yeah yeah we we only use s um we only use sustainable um, and ethically sourced clothing um, as well. So, like asking asking bands if they ever make their own merch. Not that a lot of them do now, fortunately, but asking bands if they are to make their own merch that they also use sustainable um, materials too. Oh, that's very cool. 
Yeah, no, that's very cool. Uh, was you said it took a, a, a months and 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 uh, was it a, a tough process to 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 do to say okay we are a, a carbon neutral record label? I think like we were probably ready to say that a lot sooner. It's just maybe maybe it's just the imposter in me that wanted yeah, to wait. Right. Yeah, um, right. Because like. I think I think you always worry that someone's going to turn around and like, oh no, that's that's complete nonsense. Yeah. You're greenwashing or anything like that. Particularly yeah. on that side of thing, like it's it's such a hot topic right now, which is why we're why we try to be very transparent about the exact like offsetting part that we work with, exactly what t-shirts we're doing, exactly how our vinyl is. Um, is kinder to the planet in terms of like the pressing plants and how they dispose of their waste, the eco mix vinyl and stuff that we use. Are we using single use plastics? No. So like be, trying to be as transparent as possible with every aspect of what we do before we actually announced it um, was something that we we felt was really important so that no one could turn around and say, no, yeah. that's not right. Well, that's really wise. Um, I I would probably be the same way. Um, was the research that you did and this whole process um, would this apply to um, labels in in other parts of the world as well? In in America, what advice would you give for a label who says, "Okay, I w- I want to do something similar"? I think it's like it depends what aspect of your label you want to. Um, want to make sustainable if you want to make um your record label carbon neutral or anything like that you can just go on to our instagram or something like that or find nmt um nemo macadamia trust online and go through them they're wonderful people they do amazing things but if you want to look more about your suppliers um or the, even just the merch that your bands are touring with like there's a lot of information out there um and like one of the things that took us quite a while was like particularly when it came to the merch it's like we want people to have a quality product but we want it to be organic ethically sourced and so like there were a lot of things in that that we had to think about it wasn't just like oh we need it to be sustainable we also want it to be comfortable like right. yeah so <clears throat> So trying different things as well was was a process. Um, yeah. What what kind of re, uh, research did you do on on the impact of digital and and, and streaming? I, I understand that um, streaming comes with a lot of um, carbon impacts as well, environmental impacts. Um, was there any you know research that 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 came up when it comes to you know Bandcamp downloads or the or the, your catalog streaming on DSPs and 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 how to offset that? So that is so that's something that I really want to look at in the future and like I think it's very difficult to for that ever to change like I've, particularly from a label point of view we can't turn around and tell Spotify where their servers have to be based um <laughs> or anything like that yeah um yeah. but in like in terms of trying to um and I, I believe there are greener streaming platforms being developed because it is an ongoing issue um but like in terms of our operations as a record label like that's where we know that we're 
sustainable, carbon neutral. But onwards from that, all we can do is shout and like hope that things can change in the future. Yeah, right. Um, so streaming is, and like servers and stuff like that is always one of these things which on a local level, it's going to be difficult to gauge. Um, but I'm hoping like people wake up to it. Well, and and I mean, yeah, and and you're right. You can't really tell Spotify what to do, um, and and hopefully they're something that that other people will hold them accountable to, or the general public will hold them accountable to. Yeah. Um, let's. I mean, I think I think it's really cool. I think it is really cool, and uh, I commend you on it. And it, it sounds uh, daunting. Is it? Is it something that? You're grateful that you did that that you put the work into. I mean, there's people listening to this right now who are thinking, uh, I, I think we should do this. Um, you know, what kind of like what kind of effort are people looking into looking uh, looking at if they wanted to pursue this? I think like it will be a lot it, it is a lot of effort. Um, and like, but the reward is tenfold, I think. I think if you're willing to do it, do it. Um, and like, there's certain things that for 2022 as a record label, we want to create resources to help others do it because it's all well and good us doing it and being a record label or like, I think we were the first in the UK to at least shout about it publicly. Um, but like, it's all well and good that being the case, but Ultimately, it's not just us in the music industry. Um, so we're we're hoping to create resources to assist and help people do the same and potentially doing consultancy down the line and like helping smaller record labels who want to make that jump and want to make that commitment do it too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And we should talk about that because I think that I think there are people in our audience would at the very least, you know, whether it's Diving in, um, you know, to be able to say we are a hundred percent carbon neutral, um, which, mm. which, like you said, opens yourself up to a bit of of skepticism and criticism. But um, and so, you know, that might not necessarily be everyone's first step, but maybe neutralizing some of of the stuff that you do, it would be a good start. Yeah. So, yeah, we should look at some ways that we can kind of work with our community to to help them do that. Definitely. I, I'm curious. Uh, I want to. I will wrap up soon. I, I, I'm. What kind of challenges do you encounter on an occasional basis? I'm not. I'm not talking about the environmental aspects anymore. But I know that you've been at this, running a label for a long time, and 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 you're on the management side of things, and you're on the PR side of things. You're an artist yourself. Uh, what's the hardest part about running a record label? I think the hardest part is um, currently oversaturation. Um, ah yes and like I've I love how active um, the music industry is um, but yeah cutting through I think is one of the hardest things to do at the moment and like even with our like audience like we like we have a really supportive audience but finding those new audiences through all the noise and like being strategic about like releases when we're going to do it based around when other artists or albums are coming out. 
it gets tricky. I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And like, like, and I think that's why for, for us, like the genre fluid thing is really, really useful because it's like, like a couple of weeks ago, we released um, a single from an artist called Bleak Soul who they used to be in a band called As It Is who were on a much larger label. But then like, so they're sort of like a mixture of Elliot Smith, Placebo, but with this sort of punk, pop punk inspiration. But then in a couple of weeks time, we're going to really be releasing a like noise rap artist that sounds like Death Grips kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's like... I think particularly for our audience and cutting through being able having that sort of like sudden juxtaposition in terms of what we release is really useful. But yeah, finding that new audience and cutting through is always tough and it will only get harder. Um, So yeah, finding new new ways to get to people. um, Yeah, is is something I I want to look at. Yeah, it's... uh... That is probably, um, I think a lot of people would say that's probably their number one issue. Mm. I've asked this before of our community, but what is considered a win for your label? I mean, what what needs to happen for you to say, okay, that was a good day? I think like it could be, it could be as small as, um, it could be as small as like a development artist getting a hundred, like a thousand plays on Spotify, like sometimes, yeah, or yeah. it could be like. A selling out of like a vinyl variant or a piece of merch or something like that and like for us physical media is like quite a big thing mm-hmm. um and like we've always tried to concentrate more on that than the digital um maybe that's our downfall i don't know um but <laughs> yeah it's like just just small things or it might be a gig that we're running or something like that um has sold out um yeah, it's it could be it could be a whole number of things given like how stretched over a lot of aspects of the music industry we are at the moment. Um, yeah. Do you ever stop and recognize your wins? Like, do you ever you know? Like, I fail to do that myself, and I, I take so many things for granted. Um, but do you ever pause? Um, rarely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm always really bad. Like I um like. I, I, I was talking in my sleep once and I like I'd been booking a tour like the previous day and like turns out I offered my wife uh, the support slot for the whole tour that I'd been booking that day so it's like <laughs> I, I think that's just te- that's just testament to like my like I don't pause very often I'm <laughs> always moving in that sense pillow talk um yeah. th- that's uh yeah, and, and I, I think I'm starting to get a little bit better at it because what I do is, um, you know, at, at night, like if I'm kind of like just about to feel like a little bit down or just about to feel a little bit like, what am I doing? I, I like, I quickly interrupt that thought with, with saying, oh, by the way, like this one thing happened today. And yeah. this thing alone, would probably have blown my socks off ten years ago, but it's it's oh, so small. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's now it's it's like something I've seen before, I've done before, uh, that I don't let it. It doesn't affect me, but I almost need to stop and and make sure it affects me. Yeah, because I think like as you said, sort of ten years ago or whatever, like 
for me, like five years ago, one of my bands getting offered a really cool support slot, that would have made my week. Yeah. Whereas like at the moment, booking shows for people, I'm probably getting some of my bands like support slots every single day. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where it just happens so often you don't get as excited. Yeah. But it's yeah. still really cool. Totally. Um, but I think like, I think I've got better at recognizing when things are going well since like I've been managing bands. Like I think because you see the impact that that has directly, like aside from the label point of view, like you you see that the impact of that, like on a greater scale, I feel when you are managing bands. Mm. So I, that's mm-hmm. helped me a lot in terms oh, of good. taking that step back and seeing seeing what we accomplish. Well, no, that's really smart. And and we are jaded and, and we have moved our own goalposts, but we forget that that hasn't necessarily happened to our artists or especially to our younger artists. Yeah. And and so when I mentioned in passing to an artist that we've got a premiere or that we've so and so is gonna write about it, they're kind of like, What? You know, and like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, mm. yeah, I forgot that's probably a big thing for you. That's your first. That's like my 50th, but it's your first. You know, yeah, we exactly. forget that. That's so funny. Uh, you know what, uh, Joe, this has been so fun to chat with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm sorry it's taken so many years for us to get together. <laughs> no worries at all. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, your label is great, and, and you guys have such a... Uh, I, I love what you do with merch and what you do with vinyl. Um, I, I feel like that must be you know, with totes and shirts and everything in these deluxe packages you put together. I feel like you must have recognized that, that your fans really like that or that's a, a special thing for you guys. I, th- I think like for me as a music listener, I've always enjoyed more than just the music. Yeah, I, like, yes, yes. I like imagery when it comes to music as well. Same. So being able to put together these like deluxe packages, as you say, where you might have a zine or some prints alongside a t-shirt and a tote, I'd probably, if I, I mean, if I had endless amounts of money, I would probably do that every time I see one of my favorite bands release something rather <laughs> than just buying the record. Mm. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's always really important. And also like, just like being able to support bands in like a further way than just putting out music is always important too. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. I have a couple of, uh, if you have a, a little bit more time for our patrons, yeah, absolutely fine. Thanks so much for listening. Go to BethShalomRecords.com. That's spelled B-E-T-H-S-H-A-L-O-M Records.com. And you can learn more about the record label and you can reach out and follow them on social media and reach out to Joe if you have more questions about what it means to be a carbon neutral record label. Thank you so much for listening as always. Here's something um, I want to remind you about our uh, record label business plan that some folks have been grabbing. You can go and get that at all of our resources that are free. Um, and, 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 and I know that people have found helpful, go to otherrecordlabels.com. You can get our business plan there as well as our toolkit and all the other, um, cool stuff that might help you out with your label. If you have been a longtime listener, please consider leaving a review on Apple podcasts. That's kind of a sweet thing to do. If you picked up the book, you can go to Amazon and, and leave a review there. That's also very nice. And, and, and now you can do, um, 
star ratings on Spotify. So that's something you could do as well. This would always help us out. And and if you want to get even more intimate, if you want to really uh, get deep and connected, um, then you can join our patron where you get uh, Patreon. I, I hate it. It's called like Patreon is the thing and patrons are the people. But anyway, you can join our Patreon and get access to our uh, bonus episodes, including my extended interview with Beth Shalom uh, and and over 20, 25 now uh, bonus episodes on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash other record labels. <laughs>